0: We're so excited to share this teaching message with you from Sycamore Church, Ibado, Nigeria. We believe God knows you and loves you, and through His Word, He expresses His plans and purposes for your life. We hope that you open up your heart and really sense God speak to you through this message from our pastor, Tolulokwe Mudi. Let's get right into the service and be blessed by this message.
1: We are on week three of our focus series and um we're going to round off this weekend on and focus and then next week sunday get straight into um trying to unpack a vision of what god has for us as individuals and as a church in this season and um today i kind of i'm going to be um, starting out something that would build into next week pretty much a foundation um that would build into next week. We said that over these three weeks, we're trying to really have God set um, a sense of focus for the year, what it's going to look like, and, and all of that. So this morning, I want to speak to you on what I would call "Do the blessed. Do the blessed, Do the blessed." Um, and essentially, I'll try to be showing you how you can ride on God waves um, in your own life in your context, I believe that there are waves that God gives to us and um, it's important that we learn how to ride, ride them, okay? Um, so Rick Warren would say that there is nothing a good surfer can do to create waves. Um, when you see these amazing things that surfers do with waves, um, there's nothing they did that created the wave. There's nothing a surfer can do that would create a wave. But the best of surfers are simply people that know how to ride on waves. And so, I think it's really powerful and important that we are learning how to ride waves. We may not be able to create them um, but, and, and you don't even want to slip into this human tendency of trying to create waves. There's this, I call it an unnecessary struggle that I find that people often fall into where they are laboring and trying to create waves. That The whole picture of their lives is like an attempt to create waves. Um, but I want to try and show you this morning how you can ride waves. Um, you can either live your life, or as you look at all that this year holds, you can either approach it with a sense of working hard and saying, um, God, please come and bless what I'm doing, Right? Or you can simply identify what God has already blessed. Say, God, please help me to do that. So on one hand, people are praying and saying, God, bless what I'm doing. But on this side, we can simply be saying, God, what have you blessed? And help me to do that. And so this morning, I want to speak to you around how you can be doing the blessed. You can be riding God waves. Um... And as I show you those two sides, can I advise you that the truth is God will not distract himself from the great things he's doing in the earth because you are engrossed in your own smallness. Uh, You can pray all your life and say, God, come and bless what I'm doing. God will not distract himself from the great things he's doing because you're engrossed in your smallness. God will simply constantly be inviting you to take your place in his own great work. Um, because after all, that's what he actually made you for. He made you with a sense of a place within his great work. And so he will be inviting you to take your place there, not saying, what, what do you want to drag me into? And so it's a conversation of God saying, come into my greatness, not me come into your smallness. Help me look at somebody this morning and say, do the blessed. In Psalm 92 from verse 12, The Bible says that the righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Verse 13. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. shall be fresh and flourishing. To declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock. And there is no unrighteousness in him. Amazing. So the Bible says that, you know, the righteous will flourish. They would be fresh and flourishing. Amazing promises. Great stuff. Um, But it gives us a secret. It says that those who are planted in the house of the Lord, verse 13, they would flourish in the courts of our God, not those who shuttle around the house of the Lord, not those who visit the house of the Lord, not those who shuffle from place to place, those that are planted. The promise is for those who are planted in the house of the Lord. It says they will flourish in the courts of our God. So God wants to bring every one of us to a place of flourishing. And he simply does this by bringing us to a place of planting. God wants you to flourish. But the way he does it is that he plants you within his house so that you can flourish. Can you drop me a bit? I'm struggling. (coughs) He, excuse me, he plants you so that you can flourish. Um, You know, I'll still get to the point where I want to shout. So that's what makes the message good. Now, when I say flourishing... um. It's important that when we see words in the Bible, we don't give them world definitions. You don't take a word from the Bible and then take a definition from the world, all right? So when God says flourishing, what is he talking about? Don't just think of flourishing as you know, what, how much money I have in my account or, you know, um, um, you know, flourishing essentially is a place of rightness to you. A place of living in the full of what you were made for. Flourishing is a place of purpose and a place of essence and a place of fulfillment. I think about it, what do you think we're really looking for in life? You know, you, you might have lived all your life thinking of how much money I can have. I was doing a forum with some guys the other day and I was asking them, do you think, you really, do you think what you really want is money? It sounds like yes. But do you really, really think it's money that you want. If we expand the conversations, I might show you that it might not actually be money you're looking for. So if I told you, for example, that do, do you want 10 million naira tonight? Everybody would say yes, probably. you. Those of you who don't say yes, I have issues with you. Because I'm waiting for the tide. Anyway. The, Everybody will probably say, yes, I want 10 million tonight. But if we then say, oh, wait, 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 let's expand the conversation. You get 10 million now tonight, and then in the course of the week, you're going to have some major health challenges with your mother, with your children, with this, 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 that's going to cost you exactly 10 million naira. Versus, well, you won't even get the money at all. You'd realize maybe it's not really the money you want. Maybe what we're really looking for is fulfillment, but we have thought that fulfillment lies in the money. Or fulfillment lies in doing that and doing that. But what God's word promises is that, look, those who are planted come to a place of flourishing. That place of flourishing is the place of the full sense of fulfillment that we were really looking for. And so everything it takes, that life of essence and of purpose and of God's mind, the very things we were made for. God says, look, this is the promise I'm opening up to you. And he says, look, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the court of our God. It says they will still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. So your planting, I believe, is a way for you to write. It's a God thing that he's doing in your life that he says, look, I want you to live this year. I want you to live your life with an understanding of what it means to be planted and ride on that wave. It's not, it's not just a thing to admire. It's not just a thing as like a mental accent. It's actually a wave. Have you seen a surfer before? When these waves start to hit and the waves go up, have you seen how the surfers ride it? Experts, that's what God says I want you to do about this sense of being planted. It's not just a thing to admire. It's not just an exhibition. God says, put the full weight in it. Take roots in it. Pull it all in. It's like you're planted. Gain ground. Give yourself. So today, I'm going to spend some time, hopefully, trying to highlight the importance of of the local church to the believer. Um, how, what, what is this secret about being planted and flourishing? What is this secret? In Psalm 68 and verse 6, and in a moment I'll show you how this has to do with everything you're thinking about life. In Psalm 68 and verse 6, the Bible says that God sets the solitary in families. He brings out those who are bound into prosperity. But the rebellious dwell in a dry land. So so God is like categorizing people and he says, look, I saw these guys that were solitary, they were solo, they were alone. And the Bible says, look, in in doing my work in their lives, I will set them in a family, okay? And they were bound, but I'm bringing them into prosperity. But on the other side of it, he says, look, it's the rebellious and they will dwell in a dry land. Listen, isolation has always been an age-old working of Satan. Isolation has always been one of the top tactics of the devil. Satan will meet Eve when she is alone, when Adam is not there. Satan will get Elijah when he's alone. Mighty men of God. It is when David did not go to a battle, he should go when he was alone that Satan will get him with Jehovah. Isolation has always, through your scripture, been one of the tactics of the devil. God says, Look, I bring the solitary into families. The devil takes the the one in family out. God brings you in, the devil tries to pull you out. God connects. Satan disconnects. God connects. Listen, the connection of God is not just to himself, but I believe it's also to one another. God connects. Satan disconnects. When we give our hearts to Jesus, there are three dimensions of peace that we have. Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. That's a right standing before God. That there is no more enmity between me and God. Then we have peace in God. That is that in Christ Jesus, I I actually now have a life of peace. That things that were troubling and all of that, I now actually have a life of peace. So I have peace with God. I have peace in God, or you can call it the peace of God. And then we have peace with one another. God brings us into community. Look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were so far away, through this is Amplified Classic, through the blood of Christ, have been brought near. Okay, so you were, give me Amplified Classic, you were enemies with God. And then through the blood of Christ, now you have peace with God. For he himself is our peace, our bond of unity and harmony. He has made us both Jew and Gentile, one body, and has broken down, destroyed, abolished the hostile dividing wall between us. Listen, if you believe in Jesus, you must believe that he brings peace with others. If you believe that Jesus gives you peace with God, must also believe that in that same sacrifice, he gives you peace with others. That he has broken down the walls of division so that with one another, we can now have... God says, I want to set the solitary in families. I'm going to this morning, and what I'm going to show you in a, mom, in a moment, I hope you, you would see how this really will give shape to your entire life. If you believe in Jesus, you must believe he gives you peace with others. He connects. He pulls down walls. You Don't try to take half subscription on salvation package. There's no half subscription. Not one that you say, well, I, "I don't even need to watch premium. Just give me no, no, no. There's no half subscription on the salvation package. Are you hearing me this morning? You either believe this Jesus, who is a peacemaker of men with God, of men with one another, between Jew and Gentile, dividing walls are broken. You either believe in Jesus that gives you family with God and another, or you don't believe in him. There's no half package, half subscription on salvation. Now, many of the things I'm going to say this morning are not so much in the context, maybe, yes, in the context of our church, Maybe you're even new or visiting with us this morning. Maybe this is not even your local church. Or maybe this conversation would be very different for you in another two years or, you know, as the seasons of your life shift. Um, but what is important to me is that You appreciate the concept. I might be saying this in Ibadan, Nigeria, 2020, in a context of Sycamore Church. For you, that might be um, Tokyo, Japan in 2020, in a context of anywhere else. But get the principle of what I am saying. The principle, the power of the principle of what I am saying will will bring your life to a point where you are not saying, God bless what I do. You are saying, "I'm, I'm doing what God has blessed, all right? Don't float. Understand what it means to be planted. That every believer, in God's mind, one of the first things God will do for you as a believer is that I will give you an address. What you call an address. How does this work? If you are applying for a grant, or you're applying for a visa, you fill the form and all of that, I am waiting for news on it, would you be asking all your friends um, to check their email? Or will you be checking your own? You check your own. Do right? you understand what I'm saying? In other words, when things are coming to you, they come to your address. God deals with the believer not by special addresses. He deals with the believer by his or her address. In other words, the U.S. government will not say, we want to give you this fellowship, this grant, let's send it to the most beautiful email address in Nigeria. No! They send it to your address. So your own address may be something you're not even too proud of. Yomi Fiji, the baddest guy ever lived at yahoo.com. But you will be checking your address for what is yours. Are you hearing me this morning? God deals with the believer by his address. Quit that Christian mindset of the special things God will do in my life. We happen in one special place. We happen on one special, it's one special program, one special, special, special. That mindset is what makes believers lose this principle, float from place to place. But it is those that are planted that will flourish. God deals with the believer by his address. Christians have addresses. When you meet somebody and you have a conversation, what's the next thing you say? Can I get your number? How can I trace you? Do you understand what I'm saying? How are you traceable? These are natural principles that work in the spirit. How are you traceable? Where are you traceable to? Imagine resuming in the university and you don't have accommodation. Now, you can squat with people. Some of you are like, of course you know, you, you so so you, you, you slept. It doesn't mean you are sleeping on the road. Every night, you can have a roof over your head. But there is something about how you are not fully living. You can't open your box. Yeah, you, can, you can't iron for the week. You can't, you touch something, you're not sure if you're allowed to touch it. You, do you understand what I'm saying? When you are in your room, when they now say, oh, yeah, this is your place. It, do you understand what I'm saying? It might not be as fine as your friend's room, but it's your own. You may not have everything your friend, but don't own. There is something about understanding that the full expressions of your life start when you find your place. It is in finding your place that every other expression of life is routed. So many people are simply scorn from one beautiful place to another, but are not finding themselves. God deals with the believer by address. Christians do not grow by divine encounters. They grow by being planted. And being watered. And being unconnected. They grow by engaging the atmosphere of a house. They grow by being pastored. They grow by fellowshipping with believers. They grow by connecting. By being in family. The Bible, this is what the Bible calls you. It calls you the plantings of God. It calls you trees. And that tells you something. That the way Christians grow... There is no tree that grows by special encounter. There is no such thing as a tree that grows, that it grows, grows by special encounter. Trees grow by being planted, by being watered, by being in the right atmosphere, by finding their ground, taking ground, by taking root. Do you understand what I'm saying? So it's the principle that I want you to see. So that wherever you are, you can apply it. In 1 Kings chapter 17, two instructions God gives Elijah. In verse 4, and it will be, you shall drink from the brook. And there was famine and all of that. And God says, I have commanded the ravens to feed you. Somebody shout that word. There. I've commanded ravens to feed you there. So in a moment, Elijah was by the brook. And and the Bible says, look, stay there. God said, there, ravens. Where are the ravens going to come? They are going to come to the place where God told you to stay. And so God says to Elijah, there, I've commanded ravens to feed you. And then at a point, it dried up and the season changed. In verse 9, the instruction changes. God says, arrive, go go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Dwell there. I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. Do you see the principle? So Elijah, stay. If Elijah goes to Zarephath, when God says, stay at the brook, then he's hungry, he's complaining, he's still a man of God, he's anointed, and the anointing is not working the way to walk. Frustration is setting in. He's asking everybody, where they say a rope? But God is that, look, so, so there are there's of your life. And God will say to you, dwell there. Dwell there. God will always have it there for you at every season of your life. And it's a blessed wave of God for you to ride. He will always have it there for you. Engage it belong connect maybe you're listening to this message anywhere in the world and you, you're sitting down somewhere saying you know uh it's just because where i am in fact I, I used to be somewhere where i had a fantastic church but here i'm just at every season of your life god will have it there for you see elijah stands up and starts to say god i'm the only one there's nobody i'm the only one we're sitting feeling, but do you know who is supplying us that lie it's the devil he's looking for isolation when god is looking for connection so you start to say, I'm the only one. In fact, I used to be was fantastic. But where I am now, I'm the only one. I'm the only one. It's a cheap lie of the devil. God comes to Elijah and says, yeah, there are 7,000 I've reserved for myself. It's a cheap lie of the devil. God will always have it there for you. So engage, belong, connect. Find expression in your life out of your there. There may be problems in your there. Solve them. There will be lessons to learn in your there. There will be blessings to receive in your there. There will be things that will challenge you in you're there. Embrace the challenge. That's the power of being in you're there. Imagine you're Elijah. And God says, go to Zarephath. There, I've commanded a widow to feed you. And Elijah gets to Zarephath. And policemen are troubling him. And then I'll say, yeah, go away from Zarephath. Well, if you were Elijah, what would you do? We will fight it here. I'm staying. You can't take me. Do you understand what I'm saying? It puts perspective. We know that God is dealing with me out of it there. A church family is more than the services I attend. It's an opportunity to do life. The picture I always like to give people, I, I, I tell people, I, what do you, English language scholars, what do you do if I give you an orange? What do you do to it? So some people will tell you that I, I lick an orange. And actually they do. They just like uh, lick it. Some people will tell you that I suck an orange. Actually they do. They kind of like suck it. When somebody tells you I eat orange, don't, don't argue. Some people do. Some people do. Especially when they're alone. <laughs> they eat orange. You don't know how? They peel everything. They eat it. <laughs> and so the point is, if God gives you an orange and says, look, this is a dealing, this is my dealing with your life. right? This is a thing out of which you would flourish. And he says, engage it. To what extent would you engage it? Is it for you like a licking thing, like a kind of show up, around, kind of, is it a sucking thing or are you constantly trying to say, is this thing edible? Can we eat? Can we eat? I see that attitude in church life. I see people kind of come around and say, yeah, I'm there, I'm there, I'm there, like licking. Are you trying to say, are you really there? They say, I'm there now. Am I not here? And then I see people who literally eat this thing. Eat this thing called a move of God. Eat this thing called a church. Eat that. I mean, give the soul say, eat. I was thinking about it this morning and I felt, you know, the truth is sometimes what holds people back is uncertainty. And honestly, sincerely, I feel for you, if you're here in church this morning and you are dealing with some form of uncertainty about church life, about should I even be here? Um, the truth is uncertainty would hold you back. And um, what I'm going to do at the end of this message, hopefully, I'll, I'll take a minute and I'll pray for people. I'll pray for you. For God to give you clarity. Um, and really order your steps. Because there must be a sense of assurance of this is where God wants me to be. If not, you just keep, the year would roll by. You would be where you're not sure you should be. Uh, you would be in. And, and I don't want that for you. I'm glad when people tell me, you know what, I, I mean I may not agree sometimes, but when people tell me, well, I feel convinced I'm not supposed to be here and there's somewhere I'm supposed to be. I support them everywhere I can. Because if you are not convinced in your heart that God wants me here, how would you be eating the orange? Do you understand what I'm saying? You you don't. You simply come around and then church becomes for you just a place you show up. You're strolling at any time. You just kind of, you know, I shall met it. I don't even know. Uh, Makeup and why should I? I don't feel like uh, blah, blah, blah. And so you are around but not in. And there is hardly anything as painful on a day when you are fasting. Surge was entering your body. It's okay to be alone somewhere praying. But when you are around where they are cooking, who knows what I'm talking about? Next year, Surge, I think my children have to join. <laughs> it's, it's better when you know I'm, yes, I'm in this thing, but when I'm so close but so far. To be in the church atmosphere and there's all of that going on, but you are not there. It's hardly anything as painful. The place is not about where you like the most. It's just the rightness that God gives you about being where you are. A vision weekend, this weekend, I'm believing God will reveal to us as individuals and as a church a lot of what this journey will look like for us as a community of faith this year. I believe for it to be audacious, I believe. Um, But I want to just try and set a context to it this morning. That's really what I want to try and do, to set a context to it. Um, Please, can you give me um, six more on this? Um, Yeah, thank you. So that we would just kind of have a guiding framework for ourselves as a church family, okay? We, if, you, if you come to Sycamore Church, um, if you've been here a little while, you probably know the famous Luke, 19 verse, famous Luke 19 story about a guy called Zacchaeus. And the Bible says about how Zacchaeus was short and there was a crowd and he was, he was basically crowded out. And um, he, the Bible says these words that Zacchaeus desired to see who Jesus was. He wanted, he longed, he sought to see Jesus, who he was, but he could not because of the crowd. And um, that pretty much has, through the years, always given us a framework as a church that Zacchaeus is that um, thing that we resonate with a lot. He, this guy who was unlikely, who was crowded out. Um, what's it like to be unlikely in a church environment? What's it like to be unlikely? in a place around Jesus. And that has always been like the heartbeat of a lot of what we do. Um, that feeling, uh, that empathy for the unlikely. Um, and I love it when I see unlikely people in church, quite honestly. I love it when I see people who tell me things like, you know, I've never even been to church. I'm not even the religious type. I'm not. And I love it with all my heart. I feel so welcome. This, that's, that's why we do what we do. Um, when, when I see... And and you you might make anything you want to make of it. Um, Let's remind ourselves, you know, sometimes people tell me that um, they know of a church that people go to um, because of the girls. And I think it's a lie, you know. I I, I don't agree personally. And let me just explain a simple reason why. If what you were looking for was girls, you would probably go to a club. There are probably more girls that are available in a club than in a church. Why did you go to church to find girls? Oh, somebody says, well, no, I'm not the church type. I just, I, just go to, I just come to your church because I like the music. And I'm like, no, that's a lie. Every song we sing is somewhere online. You can download it and listen to it. People come to church because God is drawing them to himself. Simple. They might think this is why they are going, but they don't understand that it's just even a foolish excuse they are given. And so, I love it. That we can constantly have an environment where unlikely would feel very welcome. Um, Somebody says, no, may I just go to that church because I want to go and chill? They say, lie, go to Ventura. (laughs) You come to church. You come because something in you is looking for Jesus. And that's our heart, really. That's our heart as a church. To constantly be an elevation. Where everyday ordinary people, unlikely crowded out people can genuinely encounter Jesus. Genuinely. Not, you know, ordinary people. The ordinary Zacchaeus. What does it mean to you when you read the story of Zacchaeus? Do you see yourself in that light? As this guy who just says, you you know what... I desire to see Jesus, but I'm not even the type. Nobody will even give me a chance. The crowd is shutting me out. You might hear that word just as crowds of people, but, but can I break it out this morning that in a generation like this, we deal with all kinds of crowds. There are all kinds of crowds that are shutting us out from a sense of God, shutting us out from who God really is in the person of Jesus. We have crowds of religion, crowds of activity, crowds of social media, crowds of the spirit of this age, crowds of immorality, all kinds of crowds that just kind of Shut us out from the person of Jesus, but Zacchaeus, somewhere in the midst of the crowd, found an elevation that he could climb. And because of that elevation, Zacchaeus is one on one having a genuine encounter with Jesus. And that's our heart, that's our prayer. That every time we gather, that everything we're about will represent that elevation. That in the sincerity of our hearts, it doesn't matter the crowd, it doesn't matter what life has done to us, it doesn't matter who has shut us out, it doesn't matter who didn't give us a chance, we can genuinely walk out of those doors every time we go and say, I encountered Jesus, I sensed Jesus I put my faith in Jesus I looked to Jesus, I was encouraged towards Jesus, I was drawn towards, that's our passion maybe you're here this morning and some of the crowds you deal with are what I just call church tradition, church tradition, you've been burnt, maybe you've been burnt in church life Maybe churches have let you down. The good thing, in a moment, I would, and I'll say this clearly, I don't believe there are perfect churches. I don't think our church is a perfect I mean, it's definitely not. Since you came, it's not. But I, I believe in healthy churches. I believe that what God wants in the church is for a church to be healthy. What does that mean? That a church is positioned to be fulfilling what it should, but not to say If churches were to be perfect, then none of us should be here. I believe that our church is not so much a stadium where you come to clap at what you like. I believe that our church is a hospital. It's a gathering of the sick and those who are providing healing for the sick. And so when you walk into a hospital and you see sick people, you're like, yes, this is what it's about. When you come to church and you see unlikely, I pray we would respond and say, this is what it's about. This is why we are doing what we are doing. This is people encountering Jesus. Jesus himself said, I didn't come for the whole. I came for the sick. I came for the unlikely. I came for the Zacchaeus. I came to seek and save those who are lost. So it might look unconventional many times. There's nothing wrong with the conventional. I would always say, in a conversation that we hold about our church life, can we always remind ourselves there's nothing wrong with the conventional. It might have let people down, it might have disappointed people, but there is nothing wrong with the conventional. Don't think of our church life as what we are against. Think about it as what we are for. We are not standing to say anything is wrong with the conventional. We're just saying Zacchaeus wasn't finding Jesus in the conventional. And so... Is there a way we can be helping Zacchaeus find Jesus? Thank God for everybody who finds Jesus in every conventional way. Thank God for the people who listened in the synagogue. But the truth is, when the synagogue service is over, there's a guy who is still walking on the streets that needs Jesus. The truth is, when the temple doors are closed, there is a Zacchaeus who walked and didn't even know what was going on. And so, this is not saying anything is wrong with the conventional. Even if it looks unconventional. One of the things we always tell ourselves is that church is where Jesus is. And so what matters to us about the life and the language of our church is the presence of Jesus. And if we can put a focus on Jesus, then we believe we have church. This repassion, our desire to see Jesus, in John chapter 12 and verse 20, the Bible says there were certain Greeks among those who came up to worship. John 12 and verse 20. And in verse 21, they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and they asked him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. I pray this will be your passion every time you come. I pray this will be your passion every time you think about church life. I pray this is, when you, sit, when you look at the church and what it is in your relationship with the church, I pray this will be a strong statement of what it means to you that I am being, this is my desire to see Jesus. This is my longing to see Jesus. Every time we gather, we don't gather to see people. We don't gather to see a style or a, you know, or a leader somewhere or a team somewhere. We gather to see Jesus. They came and said, sir, we wish to see Jesus. This is our passion. This is our longing. But in verse 22, a verse that really just saddens my heart. Philip came and told Andrew. And in turn, Andrew and Philip told Jesus. And so suddenly, a lot of protocols came in. And if you read through that scripture, and you never have an account of them actually seeing Jesus. It became a story of protocols. That people genuinely had desire. They came and said, look, we, want, we came to the worship feast, but it's not the feast we were after. We came to see Jesus, but it became a story of protocols. And for us, in every way we can, Sikoma Church exists to create an elevation in all simplicity for you to see Jesus. To discover his purposes to life and to be empowered to live it out. And I pray that's what will be our experience every time. Uh, I pray that's what we'll remain passionate about. Uh, it's, it's both our encounter and helping others encounter. It's something we live in. And something we are constantly trying to help others come in. We're passionate about bringing people to say, come along, let's see Jesus. Let's see Jesus. Not, not to see a special church, not to see a church tradition, not to see culture, not to see our music and all of that. But what, what are we about to see Jesus? And the truth is, I'll be honest with you, it is pretty much a tension that we're always trying to sort out. Because it's one thing, and it, it sounds really noble to say, yes, we just want to see Jesus. It sounds really noble and cool. <laughs> I was thinking about it this morning. Is there anybody who was there when Jesus was riding into Jerusalem and said, oh, look, we are seeing Jesus that didn't see the donkey? Um, because that many times is the tension. The tension is, yes, I want you to see Jesus, but Jesus is going to ride on a donkey. Are you give some How many of you would love it if we came to church this morning and we said, you know what, we just want you to see Jesus. We don't even want you to be distracted by the music. Let's just read the words of the song. Light up the way of your heart. Move me like you move the mountains. Mm. Jesus. (laughs) Right? So the point is, Jesus rides on a donkey, and that's a tension many times. The tension is that we really want to see Jesus, but we are seeing Jesus on a donkey. And so that's what we're constantly trying to sort out and say, how much of a donkey does it need to be, and how much does it not need to be? The fact that Jesus is going to ride on a donkey doesn't mean we have to arrange 100 donkeys to do donkey stunts. Then at the end, we we don't even know where Jesus is. So it's, it's quite a tension that, yes, in the midst of everything we do, I mean, the team is always working hard. Our worship team is always working hard trying to do good music because you have to. But may it never be about us. May every platform we create just be an opportunity for Jesus to write. May we hear those words. May we gather. May we do all that we do. And beyond everything, may it genuinely be encountered with Jesus. We're not here to encounter the brilliance of men. We want to encounter the power of the gospel of Jesus. Our message would always be in the lead. It costs us a whole lot. And truth is, it's not the easiest thing in the world. I was thinking to myself this morning that our promise, I hope that we would always hold this promise to you every week, is that our church will, by the grace of God, stay faithful in pointing you to Jesus and how you can live for him. That's always my prayer and my burden, that we would stay faithful in doing that. And that you can always bring a friend, you can always bring a colleague, you can always bring a loved one. And that is what they would experience. Many years ago, somebody was trying to invite me to church. And I remember I was starting to consider going as a colleague at work. I, needed, I, was, I was new in the city and was trying to get a church. And she had been inviting me. I then, So that day, she then said I should come. And then I thought, okay, this Sunday, and she said these words to me. She said, mm, please don't come this Sunday. Uh, actually this Sunday is some, 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 something. Please, let me give you a date to come. And that day, something rang in my heart. I thought and said, God, if ever I'm involved in church life, I want to have a church that any day is a good day to come. I don't need you to come on the special day, the day I have one conference. I want you to be able to come any day, and by the grace of God, we would present Jesus. By the grace of God, we would worship Jesus. By the grace of God, it would be about him. It won't be about the special day. Do you understand what I'm saying? It was a burden, and that's what we try to hold out to you, that you can bring a friend on any day. And that would be our story, that you encountered Jesus, that you are given an opportunity to respond to him, that you are given an opportunity to encounter him. Truth is, sometimes we're doing this in a lot of seasons of pain, but we'll not let our pain have the better of us. I remember walking into church some years ago to preach. we were doing two services then in our old venue. I remember walking into church to preach, and I was coming straight from where my daughter had had a surgery and was in a very bad state. My wife said, baby, go, we'll do this. And so I left the hospital, went to church, and worship was going on. I was in tears. But for me, Put your pain to the side. Somebody needs to encounter Jesus. There are times that we do this in the, in the face of a lot of crazy need. You have no clue. At times we're preaching about Jesus and we're terribly broke. But the gospel is the gospel. And our prayer and our constant commitment is that we will that out. Because I always tell myself, today is somebody's miracle. Today is somebody's chance. Somebody brought a loved one to church today. Somebody needs to, somebody is climbing the sycamore tree, will they look down and not see Jesus? Will they climb the tree and then say, ah, he used to be here. If I'm usually, most times, today is somebody's miracle. I pray that we would constantly be about this thing of everybody deserves a chance. I put it this way, to reject Jesus. Even if you reject him, let me give you the chance to reject him. Hopefully, you would accept him. Hopefully, we'll do everything we can do to persuade you and convince you. And, you know, hopefully, we'll do everything we can do to see why you need to accept him. But everybody deserves a chance to at least reject Jesus. The greatest injustice against their life is not abuse. The greatest injustice against their life is not the hurt. It's not what your parents did. The greatest injustice against their life is a blocked perspective of Jesus. People can do you wrong, but if you see Jesus, he will do you right. But when your perspective of jesus is back then everything about the greatest injustice against the in life is that we would gather and we will not see jesus the greatest injustice against the seeker against somebody who needs it against ourselves is that we are just not seeing jesus everything else is colored up there is no there is dark there's no meaning to life it is in him that we have life it is in him everything can come alive it's in him every disappointment can become beautified it's in him everything that was meant for evil can come for good it is in him we can find Find hope and find out that it will no longer matter the worst things they did about us or the worst things they did to us as long as we're seeing Jesus, who still gives us hope and life and joy and peace and invites us to the more. The greatest injustice against a life is a blood perspective of Jesus. And I pray that every time we gather, we'll be so passionate that you know what we're doing. We're helping ourselves in Jesus. You know what we're doing. This is the greatest thing that can ever happen in our lives. We are being a part of an encounter with Jesus. We're building a Sycamore. We're helping not just ourselves, not just my own encounter, but somebody down my row is encountering Jesus. Somebody in our Sycamore kids is encountering Jesus. We're creating something together for another generation. There's somebody on the street's Now that we'll be in church next week, Sunday, because of our generosity, because of our faithfulness. There's somebody we can create the encounter for. I pray we will put value on it the way God puts value on it. I pray we will not hold what we have as cheap and as common. And I just went to church. No, you didn't just go to church. I pray you will get to the point where you will be the church. You will carry the passion. You will carry the heart. And out of that planting, your life is blessed. This is how God deals with us. And so the world reduces church life to somewhere we attend. But God says no. Those who are planted in the house of God will flourish. It's Brian Houston that I heard say that a long time ago. That Christians have to attend in church. You have to be the church. Ah, Be in the church. Carry a weight. And as you look at everything God is doing in your life, I pray you will find the perspective of in your life. And, and this is not a story of oh, I've been I've I've done these things before. I've been how would you feel if you were praying this morning and God just tells Gabriel mm, I've blessed him before? What do you mean by you've done it before? That Ten years ago when I was on campus. If you went to if a campus, campus, Oh God, I missed. <laughs> 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 town, guru town <laughs> 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 <Who is> that <laughs> no no, that's uh, yes, yes. would we'll not think it is right actually there's like a train station uh, but if you miss the train, then you like go by um coach and then um some of the the guys who like the hosts the waiters they 're not called conductors they're like like hosts, they're like, town, borough, town. It's just, it's just a fancy thing in Eiffel. Whatever, actually. And so, um, let's be generous with this chance that we get to have about creating an opportunity for Jesus' encounters. We talk about the core values of our church, and I call it like the spirit of our church. So, in everything we want to see and everything God does in us, we kind of route it around, kind of anchor it around a sense of authenticity. And what does that look like to us? That we do all that we do without a sense of pretense. It's, it's not about masks. That can be real, we can be sincere. Right? Um, The mark of authenticity is sincerity. Um, And it's okay not to, it's okay to be where you are in your journey. It's okay to not even be sure. That's why it's a family. Uh, We can carry one another along in a place of authenticity. We don't have to. I pray you will never have to put on a mask to come to church. I pray you will never have to um, have a sense of. A performance to come around church. And we can, you know, we can be authentic, genuinely, and so um, we build this around love, sincere love for God and for His church and the people. And in a world, this value is constantly going to be challenged in the world and in the day we live. Um, you feel like love gets kicked back. Is there anybody here that you have ever genuinely loved and it got kicked back? Anybody? You know, you got. Let me see your hands, really. You've ever genuinely loved and it got kicked back? Okay, like 20% of people are living in the same world with me. Some of you, I don't know where you came from. Maybe you've just never loved. You don't mind? Love doesn't exist, man. There's no love in the world. This heart was not made to love. Aristotle. (laughs) Listen, I will rather be a victim of loving someone that kicked back than become cold towards loving the people God wants me to love. I'm living my life out of that beautiful life of love. I would rather be a victim of someone kicking back love. Oh, that's life. Welcome to life. But Thank God. Love is always a God direction. And so, if I'm in a God direction and it gets kicked back, then thank God um, um, I can lean on God. Um, And I mean love. I'm not talking about lust. I mean love. We have a love series coming up in February. And we have a revival series coming up. (laughs) <laughs> Somebody like yeah revival of love <laughs> we do what we do out of a sense of unity why is that important to us because we're part of something bigger than ourselves every week we gather we're always praying this morning again we did that we're always praying for the body of christ we're always praying for churches in our community We don't just do it here in services, we do it in our leaders meetings, we encourage you to do it because we believe we are part of something bigger than ourselves. We believe that God is moving all over the earth and we are connected to everything God has ever done and will ever do and is doing right now. Um, um, We we want to hold ourselves to a strong sense of excellence. What does that mean? That We want to do things well because we believe our God is deserving of the best when we say excellence, we're not talking about being the best. We're talking about being our own best. We're not in competition. It's not a competitive word. It's just a self-drive word it simply means our uh, God deserves our best so we we come to church with an excellent attitude we 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 want to give every service every gathering every meeting our very best it's it's so beautiful to me when I look at the service of our volunteers and amazing people who sacrificially give and do all of this and you know set up do all of this to make every the best possible we can do and it's not the best in the world but we want it to be our best because we believe this is an encounter for us. We believe this is somebody's moment. We believe our God deserves our best. We want to wake up every day and come to the house of God with our best attitude. I would say it again and again when you put out excellent front foot, then you see all that God has in it for you. If you come into a church service, you just kind of stroll in anytime you want. You just, you know, just come around. At least I showed up. You never get the weight of what God is in your life. But I know it when I see that excellent attitude that, that is just waiting somewhere. Can the doors open? We come in, there's a bust about. There is life about it There is there is passion about it Like David, I was glad when they said Let us go into the house of the Lord That doesn't sound to me like going late to church That sounds to me like being ready for it That sounds to me like being up for it Like counting down to it, like anticipating it And as I come into it I start to see the weight of God You will come back saying how excellent is your name When you went out with an excellent attitude With an excellent heart Because God is deserving of the best God is deserving of the best May we never cheapen what God puts weight on. May we never cheapen what God values. May we never call common what God calls clean. I've seen so many Sundays in my life. Every, I mean, if you're like me, almost all your life, you're always in church. Every Sunday. It's just what we do, but every time it is different. Every time we show up, there's something fresh. There's something new that God is doing. Every time we come, there's a freshness. Out of his presence come times of refreshing. You know what I want? I want to be in for that. I want every moment. Meant to have that special feel it may not be the best message ever it may not be the best songs ever but i want to have that freshness of the touch of heaven that freshness of the presence of god that freshness of what god can do and it starts when you start to put value where god puts value it starts when you start to have an attitude of passion and of drive and of dedication and of commitment and of tenacity towards the things of god towards the house of god it flows out of that sense of it I'm Finally, we always talk about honor that we choose to be a people of honor. We choose to be a people who put value where it matters. We put value on God and on the things of God and on the people of God and on leadership and on the church family. We honor, we are not a dishonoring people because it is in the place of honor that the blessing is attracted. It is in the place of honor that the weight of the blessed seed, dishonor dispels the blessing, but honor attracts the blessing. Can I tell you every time we gather and we lift our hands? to God in worship you know what we're doing we are giving honor and in the place of honor the blessed is attracted in the place of honor Sunday is changing Monday in place of honor January is changing February in the place of honor God is doing more than you could ask or imagine in the place of honor your life is taking shape in the place of honor things are being rearranged in your life you are routing your house your life out of the house of God it is those that are planted that will flourish this is how flourishing happening this is how Paul is planting and Apollos is watering but God is given the increase it is in the dedication of us doing what we can that God is bringing an increase into our life I know you have dreams for the year and I know you're so you so want to see happen I know you have plans for your life and, and for the future but pray you would hear my words this morning I have seen this principle all my life it is out of the house of God you cannot turn your back from what God is doing and tell God to face what you are doing you will turn your face to what God is doing and in that place of embracing the purpose of God and embracing the passion of God and embracing the commitment of God suddenly you start to see heaven flow in your direction you start to see the weight of God in your direction listen God is doggedly committed to his purpose even more than his people did you hear what I just said God is doggedly committed to his purpose even more than his people it is for this reason that Jesus stretched out on the cross and said my Father, my father, why have you forsaken me? Did you hear those words? God turned his back on his son so that he could turn his face towards his purpose. God turned his back on his very own son because he was looking to his purpose. God is fiercely committed to his purpose. It is not about how loud you pray, it is not about how much you cry. God is fiercely committed to his purpose. And so, what God does is that He brings His people into His purpose. What God does is that He takes the solitary and puts them in a family and says live in my purpose thrive in my purpose and in that place of my purpose the people start to thrive in the blessing and in the favor and in the faithfulness of god in every generation this is how god works and i pray as you route your life you would understand that i am planted you would understand that god is dealing with my life out of a place of planting and it is this story that by the grace of god we have in all context worked out in the last five and a half years I've wondered many times about those first I remember first meeting I sat with five people in my, in my sitting room and said began to share vision and what we believe God wanted to do did wouldn't have a name to the church but we just knew this was what God was saying well, I knew the name but sometimes I'm wondering what was going on in their minds well one of them never came back <laughs> but it is this passion I'm saying some of these things this morning because a generation that does not know the cost of what it stands in is a dangerous and destructive generation any generation that does not know the cost or the heart of what it stands and will become a destructive generation. What destroyed our nation, or what has put our nation where it is, better put, is a generation that lived in benefits but didn't fight wars, lived in benefits but didn't take bullets. And that generation became a dangerous generation and has plagued this nation. It's a generation. It's a generation that will tell you that they ate one full chicken every day in university, but they didn't fight the war. They didn't fight for freedom. They didn't fight for independence. They didn't know the cost. But they lived in the benefits. I'm saying this today because as people connected to the heart of our church, I believe that it's important that we understand that it was sacrifice that brought us where we are. We understand that it was commitment. It was a fierce commitment. It was loyalty. It was doggedness. It was love. It was a spirit of excellence and a drive that put us Chatted the cost of the journey, and I believe that when you get to a party, you dance with who brought you. I believe that when you go to a party, you don't change, you don't see a more fancy dance partner. And turn your back on the dance on the person that brought you to the party. Did you understand what I'm saying? Yeah? And when you go to a party, you dance with who brought you, and so as a church, as the seasons continue to unfold, and. So, we take this time in January to set the direction of the year. I thought it would be important for me to just encourage you this morning. But everything we stand in today, there were things that brought us to this party. And I pray that we would keep dancing with those things. I pray that we would dance with a fierceness of sacrifice that people, 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 people gave. People just loved the cause. People believed in the cause. People just gave themselves money followed through time followed through but hearts were given and that's the story of our church hearts were given um, I was thinking about it this morning that before we, before we had a, a service where we received an offering before we had a service where we received an offering we had already bought all the sound equipment we were using nobody was asking anybody to give Before we had a service where we received an offering, we had bought from just a meeting, just just hearts. And I'm grateful as I look over the story of our church that it has been a story of the generosity of people. It has been a story of people in every generation that have just chosen to put God first. And so I pray we will not be a generation that will stand in sacrifice and call it cheap. Have you, have you seen stories like that before, where a child, where a child went to what their parents worked for, and counts it cheap? Now I believe with all my heart that, and I will do all I can to give my children everything I can. I'm not saying deprive them, but in giving them everything you can, don't don't just count it as the monetary things. Count it as the lessons you learned. Count it as the wisdom you gained count it as, 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 as the, the, the heart behind the actions and so because you don't want children you don't want children killing things that they don't understand um, the cost of or the value of do you understand what I'm saying do you, do you understand what I'm saying and, and that's the same way I feel about our church that it's important that we create a reminder that again and again we create reminders that at this time of the year as we set the tone we create a reminder and say this, this, is, this is what this is all about um, this is how we stand in this. It's, it's so beautiful that we can, we can jump, we can worship, we can, can live our lives loud. Um, but we're not doing it because it's a cool thing. We did it when it was not a cool thing. We did it when it was just in obedience to God. And so we do it because it's obedience to God. And I'll say to us this morning that to whom much is given, much is expected. That This is a story of incredible, incredible working of God's faithfulness to his word. Wave after wave. Hundreds of people, hundreds and hundreds of people making decisions, follow Jesus, discipleship, outreaches, Jesus encounters, unlikely ways, unlikely places. What have we not seen in these years? Um, what have we not seen in this story? So, 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15, Paul says, if I'm delayed, I write this to you so that you would know how you ought to conduct yourselves in the house of God, which is the church of the living God. The underground the ground of truth. So my challenge to us is how should we conduct ourselves? I believe that we should be the church. I believe that we should embrace the cause. I believe that we should give ourselves to it. I believe that we should own it. Our deepest sense of purpose is locked in the house of God. Um, some of you have discovered this along the line of your life. Some of you have discovered how when you look over your shoulder you thought you came for example you thought you came to Ibadan let me just show you how God works you thought you came to Ibadan because you got a job in Ibadan but as you've looked over the months you've realized got the job in Ibadan because God wanted me to have a church in Ibadan some of you thought you came to school in Ibadan suddenly you're realizing I think God had a family for me and so he brought me to that amen anybody that's it that's how it works and so give yourself to it with a deeper sense of value of God's working in your life. It is you connecting your life to what God has already blessed. Um, Genuinely love the house of God. Please do. Pour yourself into it. Not every moment will feel as special, but Psalm 84 and verse 7 would always hold. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. It would always hold. It might like a special moment, but strength is always being laid upon strength. Contribute, contribute, serve, give, give yourself, and in giving yourself, give your things, give your substance, give your heart, give your service. Own what God is doing in your life, be an owner, not just a spectator. I would never call common what God calls special. Um, church is the bride of Christ, the church is the bride of Christ. I pray you would put all the value that Jesus Himself puts on it, you know. Don't claim you love Jesus and you don't like his wife. You don't. It's a lie. So people so tell me, ah, they honor me and I watch the way you treat my wife. You are just a joker. Let's be cracking together. Let's be joking together. You want to know how you value me and I check how you value my wife. Jesus says the church is my bride. How do you treat his bride? Tells you what you think about him. He's like, he's mad about his wife. You. You are just, you know, a service closes. You running. You don't. I'm not into church. I'm into Jesus. Do you want to divorce him? I'm just into Jesus. I'm not into church. How do you do that? How? Join life group. I'm not into church things. I'm Not the type. Attend the connect. No, no, no. Church, church. I'm very careful about church. Do you, are you trying to divorce Jesus from his wife? You can't be into Jesus and not be into church. I'm, I'm sorry if it hurts your theology, but you can't be into Jesus and not be into church. Because in your life you're trying to figure things out, but you can't claim a love for Jesus and not love the church. It does add up. Jesus is about his bride. He's mad about his bride. He's all over his bride. He's beautifying his bride. He's, 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 he's all over, he's crazy about his bride. And you just say, hey, leave that. You just come. What are you doing? Our church is not full when the seats are filled our church is full when the world is empty final scripture luke chapter 14 verse 21 and jesus is telling a story i'll read into verse 22 is this helping anybody this morning jesus is telling a story So, so Jesus is telling the story in Luke 14 and verse 21. And then he says, oh, "So you know the story of the great feast. He said, you know, guys, I have a dinner. Come in. And the Bible says that the people that were to come began to give one excuse. One said, I've just married a wife. One said, I've just bought the land. I want to go and inspect. I've just, you know, and all of that. So um, in, in Luke 14 and verse 21, let's just pick up the story. The servant came and reported these things to the master. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind now look at these words, and the servant said master, it is done as you commanded and still there is room I heard those words ringing in my heart this morning, you know sometimes we've done all we know to do, we've served these many years, we've but I feel like God is saying to us this morning and resonating on our hearts that if we would look the way God is looking, still there is room. Because the church is not full when the seats are filled. The church is filled when the world is empty. As long as there's still one more Zacchaeus, as long as there's still one more person who can have an encounter with Jesus, as long as there's still one more soul longing for God, as long as there's still somebody else in the world, the church of Jesus is not empty. And let's believe together, friends. Can we believe together? Can we give ourselves to it this year? Can we believe together that in the house of God We would dream together, we would have a sense of vision about it That the church is not full That there is more God can do That as we give ourselves, put our time, put our effort Put our service, put our generosity As we pour out our lives in a God direction Can we believe that we haven't yet seen all that God will do Can we believe that there is more that God is longing on us for Can we believe that there is more that God is heavy towards us about Can we believe that we haven't yet seen the expressions We haven't yet seen all the dimensions of what God will do out of this community of faith I believe with all my heart that the church of God is blessed and as we connect our lives to it our lives are becoming more blessed I believe that the expressions of our love are taking on new meaning that we're bringing in more that God's house is becoming more he said go in and bring all because there is still room there is still room I pray you would hear that there is still room there is still room there is more that God can do there are more souls that can be saved there's more creativity that can be expressed There is more reach that God can do. There is more. There is more. There is more gifting that can be discovered. There is more expressions of the hand of God. In this day and in this age, I still believe that the church is the hope of the world. I still believe that the church carries the hope of the world and of this time and of this day. And as long as God still has a people, I still believe that there are God expressions in our community and in the world that God is waiting on us for. Can we dream together, Can we long together? Can we plant ourselves stronger and see God do the over and the above? Can we pour out our lives? Can we lean in our lives and see God bless this thing more and more and more in our hands? In the name of Jesus, who says amen to it this morning, who is in faith for it this morning, who believes for it this morning? In the name of Jesus, let's pray together. Father, thank you for what you're doing Thank you for the people of our church thank you God for every heart that is connected this moment to what you are saying and what you are doing Holy Spirit I pray that you will make these words real I pray Lord that you would resonate them on our hearts God I pray in the name of Jesus you would show us ourselves in this expression God you would show us how you call us to these words, father in the name of Jesus God I want to pray this morning for everybody who is dealing with unclarity God who is dealing with a sense of I'm not sure should I be should I not be am I to be here am I not to be here father I pray in the name of Jesus that the Holy Spirit will light up their hearts oh God that you would order their steps Lord bring them to their own and give a deep conviction that in the name of jesus they would pour their lives into the place that you have appointed for them and father lord order their steps god lord order their steps god i pray lord order their steps let nobody under the sound of my voice be a floating one. God, I pray that everybody would find their ground. Everybody would find their planting. Everybody would find conviction. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said amen. Let's worship together this morning. Oh In the name love, of Jesus. You can have an old. Oh my love. Oh my love. Oh my love. can we pour ourselves oh love, this morning oh my love 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 you can have oh my yes jesus i own you can have oh my heart oh my heart oh my soul oh my, oh my soul all i own I want to make an invitation this morning. Um, If it's fine, can we just stand together in this moment? Let's honor it. Um, I want to invite people this morning. I would love to lead you in a prayer. If you're here in church this morning, wherever you are under the sound of my voice and you're not in the right place with God. I don't know who you are or how you came about being in church, but this is a miracle that I celebrate every week. so so humbling to see that people can find forgiveness can find life can find meaning by just saying yes to Jesus I don't know who you are but my question this morning is whether you're in the right place with God, maybe you've been coming to church maybe you're new or you're visiting, big welcome you came, such a beautiful morning but I'm asking are you in the right place with God are you in the right place with God through Jesus can you confidently say that my sins are forgiven? And that I have his life within me. If you say, no, that's beautiful. It's fine that you can be sincere. I'm going to lead you in a moment. And I just want we'll to close our eyes and bow our heads. And I'm going to ask where you are that you just raise up your hand high and unashamed. All it takes is sincerity. I'm going to count to three. God bless you. Hands already going up. God bless you. God bless you. It's a new day for you. It's a miracle. Are you ready? One. Two, three. Raise it up high. ownership God bless you. I see more hands. God bless you. Wherever you are on that sound of my voice, God bless you. I see more hands. God bless you. It's a miracle. Just, just be sincere. God bless you. Anybody else? God bless you. If you're if raising it, please raise it up high enough. Let me see it. God bless you. There, 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 there. God bless you. Anybody else? Thank you, Jesus. God bless you. All the way to the back. God bless you. Anybody else want to join him before we pray? God bless you. Any more hands? God bless you. It's, it's just your sincerity. God bless you. If you raised up your hand, please put it on your chest. This is a family, not a crowd. We want to stand with you. We want to identify with you. Can we all say these words together? Heavenly Father.
0: Heavenly
1: Father. Act to today. Because you've made a way for me to come. Through the death. Through the death. The burial. Amen. and the resurrection, resurrection of your son Jesus. Your son, Jesus. So I, believe I believe with all my heart that Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ the son of God son of is God. the savior of the, savior of the world. Say today, today I, confess Jesus I confess Jesus as my Lord, as my Lord and my savior. My savior. I I give, I give everything to follow you. To follow Forgive, you. Me of the past. Forgive me of the past. Please give me a whole start. Give a whole start. I will live for you. I will stand, stand for and you. Me
0: with your grace.
1: Fill me with your grace. Fill me with your spirit. I will never be the same. I'm your child. I'm your child. One day, One day I'll, be I'll be with you in heaven. In Jesus name.
0: Jesus. Amen. We are so honored to have been able to share this teaching message with you from Sycamore Church, Ibadan, Nigeria. We really hope you found it to be a blessing. To find out more about us or how you can receive more resources from our church or our pastor, Tolulokpaimudi, please visit our website www.sycamore.church that's S-Y-C-A-M-O-R-E.church or on Facebook and YouTube at Sycamore Church and on Instagram and Twitter at Sycamore underscore church. If you're ever anywhere around us, we'll be super honored to welcome you at one of our services.